0: Welcome back, fighters and fight fans around the world, to season two of Gloves Off Podcast with James McSweeney and myself, Evil Eddie, and we are off to a hot start here in 2020, kicking off this next decade with historic fights already. Conor McGregor making his return against Cowboy Cerrone, getting things done in just 40 seconds, and then this past weekend's event between John Bones Jones. Dominic Reyes. We have so much to discuss on today's episode, and we have been waiting, scratching at the bit, coming up with new ideas for this podcast, and we can't be more excited about it. So just a quick heads up for you guys out there. We are now in association with Megaphone, our new sponsor there. So Gloves Off will now have its own iTunes channel. This episode, you may be hearing on the Pure Evil MMA uh, podcast network on iTunes, Spotify. But make sure to go over to the Gloves Off iTunes page or Spotify page and subscribe over there because that's where you're going to get the entire catalog of even past episodes and this new season that we're kicking off here in 2020. So we got James McSweeney here that you guys remember from Ultimate Fighter Season 10, which is 10 years ago. Not only that, UFC veteran, and he has a very, very big announcement that I have no idea what he's about to say. We're going to save that towards the end of the show. You guys have been tweeting us, messaging us on Instagram about things that you want to hear James discuss, and we got that all lined up for you. So, without any further ado, let's kick off today's episode. Subscribe down below. And here we go.
1: Okay, no no, no, no. Yes, as I was saying, um, we're talking about the John Jones race fight, about judging. Um, I, in my opinion, I don't think John lost. Um, there's a couple of reasons why. Um, Of course, if you want to say, I believe if it was a normal fight against anybody else, um, the race for in the top three, apart from John, I think that maybe he would have got the the, the victory. But what makes a championship fight? Did he win the first three rounds? Um, Possibly. I I had him down to win the first two rounds and the third round I thought was close. Uh, Maybe he tipped it at the end. Um, as soon as John started mixing the fight up and took it out of the striking realm and started making an MMA fight, going for takedowns, going for elbows, ground and pound, punching the takedowns, looking for submissions, top control, taking the back, taking him down again, you started seeing that Ray's had a hard time. Not just he he couldn't stop the takedown, but he stood up. Yeah. But when he yeah. but when he got up, he was showed huge signs of fatigue. Now. An MMA fight is judged in numerous different ways. Depends on the night. But ring control is one thing. John pressured the fight the whole five rounds. Even when he was fatigued, John didn't stop walking forward and was still throwing all range of strikes from kicking, punching, elbows, knees, shots, fake shots, looking for all range of motion. He had cage control the whole fight. Did he lose the boxing fight? Yes, I feel like he did lose the boxing fight. I did think he was getting outboxed for the first three rounds, but he wasn't being beat in the MMA realm. And Ex- explain be...
0: that though. Explain that though to, to listeners that are tuning in. Well, that,
1: if know. this was well, if listen, let's put it down to like. Have you ever seen like in Thailand when Thai boxers fight? They don't count punches. <laughs> Punches don't score points, you know, in Thailand. if if certain countries out there, they score fights differently. Now, I thought Ray's outboxed um, um, Jones. I thought he landed significant kicks, some good body kicks. But John was stamping a lot, leg stamping, knees, looking for elbows. He was boxing as well. Um, John's jab looked good. Ray's had a nice uppercut. But a lot of Ray's work is defensive work, like he's a counter guy. Like he'll throw that lead uppercut and fade off. Now you can count that as countering. If, does that score heavily? It doesn't score as heavily as aggressive form of striking, like walking somebody down, controlling the fight, and then laying and um, the outcast control of the of the of the technique, like one two hook low kick, for example, or you know one two body kick. That's that's a, that's a that's an aggressive controlled movement. Ray's style of fighting is a counter-aggressive style of movement where he's fading off all the time. Play, his footwork's fantastic, but it is, he's on the back foot all the time. Now, to judges, you could look at it and say, yeah, he counters everything he does, but then on the other side of the spectrum, he's not nowhere near as aggressive, and he's not controlling the fight. Who's controlling the fight? The champion. The champion is walking forward. Pressuring the fight consistently. Yeah, he's getting caught and he's getting hits, but he is non stop taking forward. Did he, the other guy, land more significant strikes? Yes, but significant strikes is not the be and end all of MMA. It's not a boxing match. A boxing match is significant strikes only with punches, and whoever out punches the other one nine times out of ten wins, right? But it's not judged the same. It's different now. Ray's didn't go for any takedown attempts. John did. Now we know that scores heavily in MMA. That's what even even if Ray stands up, he stood up, but John would take him back down, or John would release him and continue striking. He did. If you stand back up and take John down, you win the points. But he wasn't doing that. It wasn't like he even stood back up and then broke free and then heavily pressured John with strikes and beat the piss out of him. He didn't do that either. He just stood back up, hand fought or hung out on the cage and then John would release him. They would break and they would start interacting again somewhere during this cage. So listen, I- I'm not saying Ray didn't do a good job. Ray's fought one hell of a fight and would it was you a fantastic fight. That.
0: When you're taking down getting back up quickly
1: that that don't win that doesn't win that doesn't win fights does it
0: no
1: and what i'm saying is right if you do if you went out there to fight you didn't push the pace right you just counter fought which listen his counter fighting is absolutely world class absolutely fantastic look at on the uh, let's put this on the other spectrum you saw valentina's fight right of course. She's one of the very best counterfighters on the planet. But when she counter fights, she beats the shit out of you after she counter punches you. She takes you down and then beats the piss out of you. Or she counter punches and then dominates the, 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 the exchange. Raze didn't do that in the last, in my opinion, the last three rounds.
0: So you're, you're saying that Raze felt like he won in his mind the first three rounds. So, if you're in Ray's corner and he won the first two rounds, what are you saying going in that third round?
1: Well, well, I, I, I don't know what I would, I would say continue pushing the pace. You must push the pace. Now you've got John's timing. You've counter punched him. You're winning, right? In your mind, you, and, and I think he did win the first two, possibly three rounds.
0: Man, you would agree.
1: I would then say to him. Listen, you've got his timing down. Yes, yes. You're beating him. You see it all coming. You know exactly what he's going to do. Right. Now, start pressuring. Push the pace. Close the space on John. John doesn't like people closing the space on him. Give John space. He's super creative. I've sparred with John Jones 10, 11 years ago. And the guy 10 years ago was absolutely fantastic. Right. That was 10, 11 years ago. God knows what he's like now to spar with. I'd imagine he's an absolute nightmare because he was ten years ago. But when I used to push the pace on him, he doesn't like it. Did he He have
0: that same sense of?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Listen,
1: John, John, John had even more confidence back then because he was younger. He was fearless. He still is fearless but he was younger he was fearless he was super hungry and you know what he was just out there to test he didn't give a shit who you was he was out there to push the pace and, and test everyone in fact almost to a point of where he come across a little bit cocky because he would just meet you in 10 seconds and try and take you down not even when you're in the just in the gym to say hello shaking hands you know what I mean like that was just how john was listen john's a cool john's always been a cool guy to me i like him I think he's a great guy in my opinion pound for pound the best fighter on the planet
0: did you sense that then
1: everybody did that's why that's why without throwing names out there that's why some people shit themselves when he come to Judge jackson's
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: of course do you know what i mean and they fled and went to different areas because they they knew what was happening they knew what was coming they saw him when he fought they knew and, and Greg Jackson was smart. He knew it too. He saw him coming and was like, I want this kid in my camp. I don't want to have to go against him. And he took him under his wing and he made him, and he didn't make him. He helped him along the path. John was John when he showed up. They just channeled it and helped him and added to it and gave some things. But going back to the fight, I personally feel to beat a person of John Jones' caliber who is pound for pound one of the very best MMA fighters of all time? Who's beat the best of the best and made it look easy? Who's carried the belt longer than anyone else? You've got to beat the guy. You know what I mean? You can't go out there and think this. I'm gonna tell you now, and maybe people no longer like this, but you, you you beat him three rounds straight. He took the he took his foot off the gas and chilled out for the last two rounds now when he went to the fourth round and john won that fourth round clearly they went back to the corner and i said to my i was watching it myself in my house on my on my on my wall and my i got a movie room i was watching it on the movie room and go back and listen to this go back greg jackson said to john jones this, this you, is need, you need this you need this round right this round could be the deciding factor give me 5 minutes of hell. Yes. Five minutes of hell. That's what he said to him. Then it flashed to Ray's corner. And Ray's coach lost it for him. I believe Ray's coach lost in that fight. And people are gonna be upset at me for saying that because they're gonna think a hard done by. But this is why he lost the fight. He said to Ray, You're up three rounds, you can do it, buddy. I love you. Uh, believe in you. You can do it, buddy. Just make it through the five minutes.
0: Have you seen that before in your career,
1: coaches? Yes, I've seen that with before with bad, with bad, with bad, with bad coaches. What he should have said to him was, "Hey, you lost the round. You won the first three rounds. What you're playing at? This is all the, this is all the eggs in the basket. Now go out there and show him who's champion. Go out there and take your belt. Go out there and win this fight." Do you know what I mean? Grant them be okay. the best for best pound fighter in the world.
0: He hasn't been in a five-round fight like this. How would you have prepared him for a fighter like John? Uh, for that?
1: Uh, I, I, I think they prepared him very well. I mean, he was in shape. He got a little bit fatigued and tired mentally when John was trying to take him down. But he didn't show like he broke because he stood back up and he was still in the fight. Yeah. I just think his corner allowed him to take the foot off the gas in the fifth round. And and, and mentally, that's what they allowed him to do. They said to him mentally, just survive the fifth round. You're going to be okay. Just, I love you. What's he telling him he loves him for? Why would you say that to him in the ring? You want to give him love and soft and affection during the fight when he should be thinking he wants to kill and go out there for the victory? And John Jones's team, Greg Jackson, amazing coach, said, go out there and give him five minutes of hell. John, go out there and give it to him. And John said, yes, coach. And he did. I, I, and
0: Jim, I couldn't picture somebody saying that to you and you looking at them like, okay. I'll I, would
1: fire, I, would fire, I, would, I would fire him. I would fire him. I would leave the ring, and after the fight, I would be yeah. fired. I wouldn't hire him as a coach because he wouldn't know me as a person. You've got to know your fire as, as uh, what fires them up. I've had coaches say to me before, sweetie, what the fuck are you doing? Your your daughter's watching. Your daughter's watching you fight right now. This guy's taking money off the table. He's taking food out of her mouth. Go out there and win the fucking round. Because they know what what, what can make me fiery. They know what could, is gonna touch base. And your your mum and dad are in the audience. You wanna disappoint your family? What you doing? You come in to lose? Do you know what I mean? And a good yeah. coach knows how to fire that fire. I, his coach, his coach went out there and you yeah, might as well have well kissed him on the fucking mouth. You might as well have kissed him on the mouth and said to him, I love you, buddy. Uh, go, go out there and do your – fuck off. Go out there and fight your heart out. You're in there against a the pound-a-pound guy in the world. You smashed him for three rounds. Go out there and win the fight. Show the world who you are.
0: Now, you know? in hindsight, do you feel like they trained him to go out there and win those first three rounds? Because a lot of people would say he won those first three rounds. Do you feel yeah. like – Fighter, if you're in a five round fight, you 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 could know what the judges are thinking because that was another big.
1: Well, listen, no, no, nobody knows what judges are thinking. Let's get that straight, right? And we all know not to trust a judge. But what what I do know is, if my fighter was out there for three rounds, let's say I'm his coach or I'm the fighter. Either way, I say to my fighter, listen, John starts a little bit slow, right? But he works you out and he grows and then he pushes for you. That's what he's done of his last. Six or seven fights.
0: Very technical. His last right. He's he's he's, he's 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 he's
1: almost he's almost come into a little bit of an Anderson silver kind of slow starter, figure you out, and then push the pace. Where the old style John was beating everyone in a round and just attacking the shit out of him Right. So right. No, no. I'm um, new. Name after name after name. That goes without saying. So he's become a little bit more cautious. He's a little bit more not so flamboyant too early, not sort of a so a risk taker. Their, so their game plan was right. But what he should have done was push the pace for three rounds, dominate the three rounds clearly. If, he, if, if you feel your fighter's tired and he went out for the fourth and you could tell that he was gassed a little bit, use the fourth round as an active recovery Give John the round, but don't give him a 10-7 or a 10-8 or nothing stupid, you know. Just go out there and box, put your mind, and then get your round. When he comes back for the fourth, you say, hey, did you recover? You feel better? No, go out there and fight your fucking ass off what you're doing. The world is watching. Go and get your belt. Go and concrete yourself in history, you know, and you, you motivate the guy. You don't say to the guy, I love you, are you okay, I love you. Well, you says that. It's ridiculous.
0: Now, 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 James, let me ask you this part of it. Did you feel like John knew when they went to the judges that he felt like he won the fight? Where did you see the fight going with the judging and all that? What did you uh, think about that moment?
1: I thought, I thought it was going to be a draw.
0: I, I I could see that. I could
1: see that. I thought it was going to be a draw. I thought it was. Everyone was going to be like, "Oh, it's a draw." But really, how dominant John was in the last two rounds, and that third round being whatever. You see, what happens is in the first two rounds of Ray's, he was, he was doing a good job, and he surprised everybody. So I think that everyone's opinion of being so surprised that he was doing so well, the over. Magnified their opinion of the third round. If you go back to it, un, um, unemotional and watch it, I think the third round was way closer than everyone thinks.
0: You know. and in
1: my opinion, it was almost it was almost John Jones's third round, or almost a draw. And the last two was definitely John's fights. So it depends on how you look at it. So, from my opinion at the time, I, I thought it was either a draw, I, I, and, I, and it was either a draw or it was John's win. Now, people may not like that, but the fact is, uh, to be a champion, any champion, but to beat John Jones, you've got to clearly beat him every single round. You can't show signs of fatigue. You can't show signs of limited, you know, limited MMA skills. You've got to go out there. Not saying Ray's got limited MMA skills because he's he's fantastic fighter. There's, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, on a whole, you can't go out there and not fight a full MMA fight.
0: That's what we wanted to see in the Gustafson rematch. Was what Ray's put on?
1: Yes, but in the Gustafson rematch, there was some there was some stuff out there with John saying that he didn't train for the first Gustafson fight. That he did train for the second one. And then we saw a completely different fight. Whether I believe that in the first one or not, I don't know. All I know is in the second one, it wasn't the same as the first. And you know, we saw what we saw. But sometimes in life, you know. Like not everyone is a Toro Gatti, Mickey Ward. You know, the first time they had that kind of war, it's not usually reproduced. I mean, Mickey Ward and, and, and Gatti did that three or four times. That's why it was such an amazing thing in boxing that they had such a war so many times and it was so close because that's unheard of. Do you know what I mean? So I wasn't surprised it went one way and not the same as it did the first time. Either Gossam was going to knock him out clean.
0: Um, you, have a, you have a question here from uh, Kareem Yey demir Ask James on what he thinks of Zabit Samadov. We'll, we're, 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 James, answer that towards the end of the show. Yeah, that's no problem. After uh, the end of this discussion here, in that fifth and final round for, uh, for John Jones, where did you think John Ted was at? Do you think he felt like he was at 2-2, or did you feel like he was down?
1: Uh, no, I, I, think, I, think, I think Greg didn't allow him to think. I think Greg said to him, you need this last round. You better go out and then give him five minutes of hell because you need it. And I think Greg was very honest, and I think he did need it. If he didn't go and be as, as dominant as he was in that fifth round and as all round, I think there was going to be some big problems for the, for the outcome of that fight. Um, I don't think Greg allowed him to think that much, which is what a good coach does. You don't allow your fighter to think he's winning or think he's losing. You've got to tell him exactly what you need him to think.
0: Now, going off of what you said earlier in the show was, you know, as an older fighter, you have these younger guys coming up. What does this fight take for John Jones' career, uh, this late on in his career, even though he was such a young champion, one of the young champions? Well, Where do you see his, his uh, career going from here?
1: It can, well, I mean, it, listen. I, I, I can see career, his career just continuing on as it's gone on. I, I can't see any one of the. Here. No, I think, and no, I don't. If he does a heavyweight fight, I think it's going to be it's when he's, it's when he's close to retiring. That's when he's going to do a heavyweight fight. Like a super.
0: Or, fan. or
1: he's going to step down from the limelight for like six months. No one's really going to know, and but already mentally he stepped away from the light heavyweight game. He's going to pack on a bit of size and weight because John's, John's a big guy, man. He's six foot four. Um, he's a big, tall guy. And it was not that hard for him to gain weight. I've seen him before lifting in the gym. We've seen him out when he was oh, banned. Look, rip, he got go big, man. right? He got big and in shape. So he's a, you know, he's very gifted genetically. He's, his brother is in the NFL. He's a monster. His grandmother's six foot. His mother's a big lady. His whole family are big people, right? So it's not hard for him to get – it's not going to be hard for him to be a heavyweight. But what would be hard is he jumps up to heavyweight and he tries to come back down to light heavy at his age. Now, Rumble I've done that myself.
0: Heavyweight? James, Rumble versus Jones heavyweight?
1: Yeah, that won't happen, but no. – um, no, I don't see it. It's not a big enough fight for John. You know, it's not a big enough fight for him no, to do he it.
0: To motivated,
1: right? if for him, him to, got to done, do it, it's got to be a huge super fight where he's looking to get the belt or he's looking to get a million dollars plus. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, it's going to be when, it's when he's going to be ready. It's going to be when Greg Jackson and his team decide for him. And um, it's going to be when he's really stepped down. I mean, right now, the light heavyweight division, I can't see anyone getting close to him at the moment. Even with the performance that he just put on, it was a huge test. But we didn't see him change who John is. He's still making elbows. He's still stamping on legs. He's still putting pressure. He's still got fantastic movement. He's still got fantastic mental strength. He still carries a shit ton of confidence into everything he does. So what I'm saying is it's a very tough, you know, there's no one in the division that I think can touch him at the moment. Are we going to have somebody
0: like this in the next 10 years? I doubt it.
1: Oh, he's not going to continue for ten years, but I would imagine are, are he's we, are going to.
0: Anybody like this, though, like is
1: in God John, not... in John Jones. Listen, John. These people like John Jones, uh, the John Joneses, the um, the GSPs, the the you know the Conor McGregors. They come round once every twenty, thirty years. I mean, before we saw this, we saw uh, you know. Uh, I mean, who else can we name that was someone as dominant as this? I mean, it's pretty hard, right? I mean, I don't do you know.
0: Chuck was on that path. And
1: then well, he was, but then he went, he, went a bit, he went a bit too long. And then age caught up with him and his lifestyle caught up with him, which is what happens to a lot of guys. He, I mean, Chuck was, was a big party guy, right? He's, I think his party life overtook his training life in the end. Um, uh, but, there, um, but even still, there was no one ever to be this dominant. So in the short time of the UFC, over 25 years or whatever it's been, uh, we've only ever seen one. It may be another 25 years before we see another.
0: Transitioning here to Conor uh, McGregor, cowboy, there, there's no way we couldn't discuss this. Th- thoughts on that situation? We're surprised. 40 seconds. I, 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 what are your thoughts here, James?
1: Well, this is another fight that, to be honest, you, you know, it can never really live up to the hype. Right? This is like the Manny Pacquiao and Mayweather fight, right? It can never live up to the hype um it was either going to go it was it was either it was such a big fight in the fact of for both of these guys it was connor's rematch uh, well connor's rematch but Connor coming back after his loss you know connor gaining weight in a different weight category then taking on a very active strong super mma fighter like cowboy cerrone right who's the man's man he's the gatekeeper of his division right you want a guy to step in last minute Bang, he's your man and will win. He will fight anyone on any given day. The true meaning, I mean, if you look up true warrior of MMA, you'll see Cowboy Cerrone's picture, right? He's won by every way necessary, right? But at the end of the day, for a second, I never, I never think that Cowboy can lose and I never underrate Connor. We were going to see one of two things. We were going to see a complete domination of Cowboy, Either Cowboy was just going to out-dominate him, outsize him, outstrength him, and put it all over him, or we were very surprised by Conor McGregor yet again, building up, living off the hype, living up, buzzing off of all that pressure, all those people, a new weight class, and everyone was looking in fail, everyone wanted to see him lose, and yet he went out there and produced the goods. And not just against anybody, but against a guy in the top three in the world, one of the most active MMA fires on the planet. And I thought he looked absolutely fantastic. I think he looked great at that weight. I think he carried it perfectly. You can see his team, he looked strong, he looked dominant. He felt, I could see him mentally, he seemed to be a little bit more stronger, more dominant physically in his walk, but being a bit bigger. He didn't have a nasty weight cut or nothing that he's used to having. And I think I thought he looked fantastic. I mean, uh, and you could see that he worried a lot of people in that division because all the champions and the top guys were all sitting there watching and they all had their little two pennies worth to say after. And when you know you get that kind of reaction, it's through fear. It's not through people not taking you seriously. Oh, he's an idiot or whatever. They were all fearing Connor's coming for them. Yes, yes. And, and they should be. And they should be. Because that performance in itself, the intelligence of the shoulder bumps, the intelligence of the producer, to have the confidence and the technical attributes, he got his timing back. He got his distance back. And and he put it together perfectly. And you know what? I don't care what all these rumors are. I know Cowboy personally, and I can tell you nothing. That man wouldn't take a dive for a billion for $10 billion. I would put my house, my gym, my my whole life on it. I okay. guarantee you now, that man, you, if you had a fight with him in the street, He'd be the worst nightmare. He would hunt you down for life. He would not. I can tell you now. I'm not fucking with you. He's the man's man of all men. He's a. He's always been this way. I used to watch him spar in the gym, and him, and only a couple of other guys in the world, Keith Jardine. I used to watch him spar. I used to get so much inspiration by just watching them spar and fight. Like they used to give me. Like I'd go to the gym. weren't meant to be training that day. I'd see them sparring, and I'm like, I'm. I'm I'm back in a minute. I'll go and get my stuff. I'm coming. train like they would aspire you to train like you couldn't help it and i don't give them no one could, the, the shots he took were phenomenal shots uh, bone breaking shots and you know what the referee did the right job and stopped the fight it's a fight guys and it's a fight at the highest level how dare you how dare they try and say a man would take a dive how dare they it's disgusting that man put himself on the line and he got a broken face to, to show for it And it made me sick to see the mood. It just goes to show that some people out there just, uh, I can't even comment what they are. It's lower than low. But I can tell you now, personally tell you now, that that I I have nothing respect for Cowboy and for for him uh, and for Connor. And there's not a way in a million years Connor needed him to take a dive or would want him to take a dive. And I can tell you now, there's not a way in a quadrillion years that Cowboy would take a dive for anybody Anybody,
0: James, I'm you. You couldn't have said I I couldn't have written this any better. Like, you you said, Oh my god, for for those of you guys listening to the podcast right now on iTunes, my cheeks hurt because I'm smiling at every word James is saying right now because it's just so true. And we see all this nonsense going around social media with James. Has really made me believe. That for the people out there that are sitting on their couch, watching their YouTube videos, think you know that makes them a YouTube red belt somehow. That what they have to say about technique and uh, what they have to say about analysis of Nick Mark arts—it means nothing. You know nothing about anything unless you've actually been there. Hearing it from you, James, being there, seeing all of this uh, through the rise of it all—it's it's so amazing. My cheeks hurt. Uh, just even listening to you mention this because we know that y- you 're probably rooting for Connor, I mean uh, cowboy in this fight, you would have probably let
1: him yeah, but you, you, him. You, you know what you know what I would love to see um, i 'd love to see um, cowboy just listen i haven 't spoke to cowboy in nearly ten years, but we trained at the same gym together, and, and I always remember you know uh, getting on very well with cowboy i 've got pictures of him up in my gym right now of us together. He's always been the same. Cowboy is cowboy. That's just how he is, right? Donald Cerrone is a man's man. But it's not like I'm saying he's my best friend in the wide world and whatever. But you know something? I know his story. I know what he went through to get into uh, WEC you I know what he went there. through. You I know what be. he went through, and i 've seen him train and I seen him sacrifice and I, I saw what he went through to get into the UFC and i 've seen him sacrifice there and i 've seen his now now we went from kids right We were kids back then in our 20s, now being to men, men now being fathers, now being married, now having our own gyms so and you see you this guy to to
0: somebody like Anthony Smith saying that he folded like a can. What was your reaction to hear Anthony Smith say that and then hear Joe Rogan back that all up? What was your reaction James, to that situation?
1: <sighs> to be honest, yet again, you know, I just think the guy is just an idiot. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know him personally about what, what – I don't know him personally for what, what he does or what he – I don't really know him. You know, I, I, to, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know who the fuck he was until this thing with Joe Rogan's going on. Right, you know, so, but I'm not, I'm not too much up on. I don't watch too much TV, and I'm not too much in this crap. So I just thought, Who, who's this idiot? Then I saw some video of him hitting pads. Right, it was on Instagram, and I, I just thought it was funny. Then I realized this is the same donor, this is the same guy. But to be honest, I'm sure there was a load of people out there that know nothing about the fight game and have done everything in their life to stay away from any confrontation you know, from any method of fighting they possibly can. They go down to their boxer size class or their some title bullshit gym and, and and hit the bag to music and then do 10 burpees and 10 star jumps and tell everyone they do boxing, right? I'm sure there's a load of them guys that watch these fights and nudge their girlfriend who knows nothing about the sport and says, I'll oh, be I'd beat yeah. be him, darling. I'd kill him. Don't you worry about that. If he touched you in a nightclub, I'd bash him. And she says, yeah, babe. Really, she's saying, No, you wouldn't. But in my, she's like, Yeah, babe, I know you would. Oh, do you want a drink? Just to get out of the room. But the fact is, when, you know, it's like, it's like arguing with a drunk, isn't it? You, you're an idiot to argue with a drunk if you're not. You, know, yeah, like, you dude, know, that's
0: what I love about me and you. I've been doing this since I was seven years old on the radio, right? Like, I know my lane. And that's why I love doing the podcast with you because it allows access from my view and your view. And then, you know, seeing what we see on social media and seeing what the fighters say, it brings everything together. But when you see somebody like Anthony Smith, who hasn't covered UFC, hasn't watched UFC events before, to have taken it and for (laughs) to think that it's doing us a favor to have him on there that's going to bring eyes, it's not the truth.
1: No, of course it's not the truth. You're thinking like, what, what happened to the UFC before he come along? Oh, it was a multi-billion dollar company that was sold. So, I mean, what's he talking about? Why, why would you even say something so stupid? I mean, the fact is, silly comments from silly people are always going to be out there. You can never, you know, listen, go to any village. Right? I'm from a small a small town outside London. Every village has an idiot.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: uh, uh, you know what I mean? Uh, you, you always find him when you're lost. You drive into town. And you're lost, and you think, oh, this is a nice little village. And you think, excuse me, you pull over, ask him where to go. And you go, excuse me, do you know how to get to such and such? And you know who it is? It's the fucking village idiot. (laughs) And, And he says something so stupid to you, like, oh, no, no, yeah, turn left, turn right. I don't know. I'm lost too. You know? And that's Anthony Smith, ain't it? He's just a village idiot, isn't he?
0: Yes. Stephen, Stephen,
1: Stephen, Smith, where the fuck is name? on, on, on This whole situation? It, it's
0: just, you know, we have so many people like fighters. <sighs> I like seeing the fighters get jobs. We don't need somebody like that. that that's going to throw it in there. That yeah,
1: but the thing is, it's just unprofessional. And the fact of the matter is whether you feel that or you don't, right? Whether you're qualified for that opinion or you don't, at the end of the day, Two of the very best, two of the very best fighters in the world, right? Got in there, put it on the line for everyone's entertainment. That's, that's what fighters do, right? And, and you, what I'm saying is, right, you, What if you look up a definition of a fight, a definition of a fight is two people having a fight to find out who the winner is, right? Now, does To to, to find out who the winner is, the people that fight must be in roughly the same realm, as in same level. Same weight, same level, right? Now, if that happens 20 times, maybe what happened only happened once, or maybe it didn't happen the whole 20. But that's the nature of a fight. That's why people love to watch fights, because you never know who's going to win or how they're going to win or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, Donald's been on the other end of that spectrum over 50-odd times in his career where he's destroyed and walked through them. So, you know, I sat down with Manny Pacquiao in his office, in his house, in in, in General Santos. After, after he got beat by Marquez the fourth time, the fourth fight, he got knocked out. And I said to him, Manny, come, I want to ask you something. And he said, yeah. And I said, to be honest, I'm re- I hope it's not too much. I said, but... When you fought Marquez, you had three wars. On the fourth one, when you got knocked out, I thought you died. Like you got, you was out bad. How do you come back and fight Mayweather?
0: That was a big thing that even his coaches discussed as well.
1: How do you come back and perform with self belief? And he just looked and he looked at me for like, I don't know, 10 seconds? It seemed like a fucking minute, but it was just 10 seconds, <laughs> I guess. And he went, if you don't want to lose, don't fight.
0: That says, and he went,
1: and he went, it's not personal. It's just a fight. I don't not believe in myself because I lost. I've beaten a load of people.
0: What does that mean to you though, James, for people
1: listening right now? What well, I, well, well, the thing was, I've touched wood. I've never been knocked out in my whole career or in my life ever once. I've been beaten by referee stoppage or TKO or something, but never been like punched and I'm asleep. Never happened in my career. So I've always wondered and been very intrigued how that would make you feel after. I know how shit I felt after I've lost a fight. You know what I mean? So that sucks, but I've always felt like, it's always been a fight. I've never been caught that way, or I've got a good chin or whatever, but So I was generally intrigued now um, um, Cerrone wasn't knocked out cold, but the referee had to stop the fight and it was visibly clear Broken of uh, broken orbital broken nose. I mean like in 40 seconds guys and you have the audacity to try and say, "Oh, he folded like a tin can," and be disrespectful. Or let me fucking break your nose in your orbital and see how quick you fold. Let me see what happens. Yeah, yeah, you, you, you would, you would, you, you don't have a choice over this. <laughs> Do you, you know what I mean? It's a, it's, it's terrible. No, it's, it isn't. Uh, I don't get it because it, it pisses me off, and it's not just because I, I know Donald's story or he's a good guy. I'd say about any fighter, uh, any fighter has the balls to get out there and do what they do. And you know, I to be honest, I, I never reached the level in the UFC that those boys reached.
0: James, by my ha- teachers, my teachers that founded ESPN, that were there the first time they broadcasted live on air when everyone was on edge to didn't know how the broadcast would go. The first time they did SportsCenter. Told me in response to what happened last week that they were even shocked at what he had to say. <sighs> that he was crossing a line to say that he folded like a can. When I brought that up to them, they're like, "Yeah, that was."
1: Yeah, but do you know, you know, you know what? Do you know? I personally feel I feel that it was a cheap move to highlight himself, as in, like, I right. want to be, I want to be, um, uh, you know, an attention whore. That's I what agree- I felt it was.
0: I agree.
1: That's what I felt. That's what I felt like it was. I just felt like it was just an attention, a little attention whore trying to say something outlandish to get and like, oh, how dare him say that? Let me get a million followers. Let me get yours. Why did Why did he just go on Instagram and fucking put a g string on and bend over like every other fucking idiot does? He might as well done that because, to be honest. To what he said, had no intelligence, had no grounding, he had no reason to say it, he had no business saying it, he's not qualified to fucking say it. Which so, it?
0: comment on Twitter,
1: right? Do you know what I mean? So what I mean is, it is just a quick way to get fast attention, and he got it. He's got it. He should be happy. There's a lot of people out there saying, yeah, you're right. And then there's a load of people out there saying you're an arsehole. But either way, he's getting all the attention and all the follows he wants. Because, unfortunately, people like us right now are discussing the prick.
0: Uh, it, it, it's, a sick, it's a sick thing that's going on. Right. It, it really is, James. It really is. It really is. Yeah, but it's,
1: you see that all the time, right? You see people go up to celebrities and, ra- and, and, and rather, go up, rather go up to them and say something polite and shake their hand or ask for a photo, they walk up and they say something stupid to try and get a bad reaction from the celebrity. Or, or you know what I mean? And, and, and they're just trying to set them up for something. Someone's filming from not afar not somewhere. Not Do you know what I mean? Not yeah and they're just trying to get a little they're trying to get a little oh look what such a such did to me how the other the day it's the same shit as what he did it's old it's nothing new. i saw straight through it that's why i didn't even care about it the guy's a donor i didn't even know the guy and to be honest i don't know how deep joe's got involved in it joe rogan's gotten involved in it but i don't think he's got too invested in it i think he realizes him for what he is and i don't think he's taking everything too seriously I just think he's just thinking, you know, I think if you ask Joe on the private, on the personal, it'd say, I just wish my name wasn't really involved. I'd just rather be out of it. No, I don't need, he doesn't need the attention. The guy's a smart guy and a talented martial artist. So he doesn't need the attention.
0: For our listeners out there, we did, we did have a question from, uh, Kareem Yadimir. Do you want to answer his question about, uh, Zabit? Oh, uh,
1: it's a wonderful thing of Zabit Zamudov. Zabit is a fantastic kickboxer um, I mean, listen. Some of, people always seem to think that when you arrange to fight somebody, that you don't think they're any good or something. I've never had that opinion. Anyone I've ever wanted to fight, or it's only because I admire them as a as a fighter. I admire them as a kickboxer. Um, I mean, when I took the fight against Daniel Ilonga, I knew Daniel just fought against um, the current the Glory champion and lost on a decision. So I knew he was fantastic and, and everyone said that daniel should have won it He was you know number two in the world but they said he should have won the fight on a decision so there was a tr- so of course when i got a chance to fight daniel wasn't because i thought he was crap uh when i got to fight michael mcdonald the k1 champion of america he just knocked out Mirko krokop i wanted to fight him because i wanted the recognition of beating someone who just knocked out Mirko krokop and was the champion of america same as Zabidov, he knocked out bader harry He beat Bader Harry, and Bader was a fantastic and is a fantastic fighter. He just had an amazing fight against the current Glory champion. Um, So, of course, I I think he's fantastic. That's why I want to fight the guy. I don't want to fight um, weak fighters or low-level fighters. I want to fight great fighters because they bring the best out of me. They're the personal test that I'm looking for as an athlete, as a fighter. And to be honest, no matter win, lose, or draw, this will be the last time you'll see me in a ring or a cage fighting. This will be my retirement. Um, he's retiring after this fight, and so am I. And no matter what happens, win, lose, or draw, you, you heard it here first, I will not be stepping back into a ring or a cage to fight again after this fight. And I think there's nothing better to fight someone of his caliber, his level, on my last fight, when I knock him out and I walk away from this, this, this as, as, a, as a fighter, something that I love the most, um, when I walk away from it, it'll be a fantastic feather in my cap, but also it'll be just an honorable thing for both of us, me and him, to say that we fought each other eventually and we gave everyone what the fight they wanted. I believe this is like the the Gatti and war fight of the K1 world. This fight is going to be absolutely fantastic. It's going to be a war. There won't be no fast knockout here. I can tell you, he's a tough tough guy. Very, very tough. Very fast, explosive. Um, But I've got the chin to wear it, and I know I can give it. So this is going to be a really messy slugfest of a fight.
0: Years in the making, too.
1: Yeah, which is fantastic. Which is what, to be honest, as a fighter, you live for. This is something that I've been looking for for a long time. And I'm going in it to, with that aspect of the. this is going to be uh, punch for punch, kick for kick, knee for knee, slugfest fight. You know, um, I could see both of us ending up in the hospital and waving from one end to the other to see that we were okay. This, this is going to be a messy fight.
0: James, last question. What did that just feel? How did that feel to, to say that? What you just said, I'm sure it was hard. I'm sure that it was years in the making, but you said it. How how did that just feel, what you just said? As in,
1: as in, this would be my last fight?
0: That and everything you said, like, the motivation behind it, everything, like,
1: yeah to be i've never had a problem with motivation to get ready for fights i mean i mean you could probably ask me in 20 years from now and i'll be almost 60 saying oh i'll fight him i'll do it you know i'm probably going to be that stupid senile old fighter that still thinks he's got it at 60 years old um but i don't know i mean i'm 39 now i'm 40 this year i've been in this industry as a professional since i was 16 years old and, and i i started fighting even younger i started training when i was five so i i mean training wise I still there's some guys on here that are from my gym right now. SMS Productions. He trains at my gym. He does all my video work. He's there right now, Shane. uh, You can ask him. I train of all the youngsters. Uh, I push the pace. I I still think physically, um, I can still do what I do and way more. But then that's the time to leave. Don't leave when you can't do it anymore. I think that's where fighters get it wrong: is that they wait till they fall to the other end of the spectrum. And then they want to step away from this. I always said I wouldn't be fighting when I was 40. Um, if you'd have asked me a year ago, I'd have said, oh, 42. I would have changed it. But the fact of the matter is, I have, I've run out of excuses. I've run out of excuses. I mean, I don't, if there was a time I was going to go to glory, it would have happened after the Daniel longer fight. If there was a time I would have gone back into the UFC, it would have happened five or six years ago after my dynamic wins at 1FC you know, um, so where else have I got left to go, you know, am I going to just going to keep going around fighting country to country, um, and yeah, that's fine, I earn good money, and I enjoy fighting, but it has to come to an end eventually, you know, my family uh, is growing, my daughter's getting older, Um, I've sacrificed a lot of time away from my family to do what I do, Uh, I put them through a lot, now I've got one of the biggest gyms I've ever had, 9,000-square-foot gym in, 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 in Dallas.
0: Absolutely beautiful. Where, where I mean, is
1: it? we're in Plano, just in Dallas, outside Dallas. We're in Plano. It's like 10 minutes from Dallas Central. Um, you know, my gym is growing. We got, uh, we've been open a month, and we've almost got 100 members. Um, you know, it's, it's fantastic. So I really have to give back to, you know, the sport that has gave me so much. And unless I step away from fighting, I can't fully do that. And I think eventually it comes a time when you've got to give back and give back to these youngsters coming through, help the kids program that I've got building, helping just people every day. I've got autistic children in my program. that I'm helping. I've got kids, you know, from all realms of life, from anti-bullying that we're helping. Um, and, you know, just normal people coming to the gym just want to learn about martial arts, start them on their on their journey of martial arts. And to me, that's that's so honorable. You know, to have so many new people choose me or my gym to start the start their path of martial arts with, and I've I never forget who I trained with in my early days. You know,
0: and you have legends down there, uh, Crawford. Uh, o- Overeem's going to be down there as well, doing a seminar. Correct?
1: Yeah, I've been very fortunate. I've been working with Tyrone Crawford from the Dallas Cowboys. He's an NFL superstar with them, and I've also worked with some other Cowboys and um, defensive line. It's like. Between, there's like seven or eight of them that keep coming down now and we work with them on different occasions. Um, there's a possibility that I could be going up to work with them at their training facility with most of the wow. team. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities coming. Uh, my good friend, Alistair overeem's is coming uh, on Sundays and does a seminar at my gym before he starts his training camp in Denver. Um, so, you know, it's just it just comes a time in everyone's life where you've got to man up, you've got to suck it up. No matter how hard decisions may be in life, sometimes you've just got to get the job done and choose – you know, the past has come so, your way.
0: Why is Crawford training mixed martial arts? What's the deal with all that? Like,
1: well, why, why I, I've trained with some rugby teams before, uh, professional rugby teams in Australia when I was living there. Um, to be honest, it's, it's probably kind of new for them. He, he had, we had a mutual friend, and uh, Tyrone would. The, my friend would tell Tyrone about me moving to Dallas and blah, blah. And then he said to him, you should think about working with James. He's worked with a lot of professional rugby players. I'm sure he could help you out in the NFL. And so what some of the work I'm doing with them is some strength and conditioning training that I use for fighting. I'm doing some mental aspect of, like, fight mentality during the game and i'm also working with them with some roman greco stuff some boxing um some hand and eye coordination some wrestling just learning body mechanics on how to take people down how to manipulate the body in certain aspects just um just getting them on a little bit more of an edge you know and someone like tyrone who's an absolute superstar as in a not his status in the NFL because he already is, but just in the fact of he's outside of season, coming in and working with me almost every single day. Um, he's willing to go back into the next season in shape. We, you know, he's come to my gym, super humble, willing to learn. Steps out of his comfortable. He doesn't need to come to my gym. He could go and stay comfortable with the other players, and he have them all look up. Dallas, and have right. and have them all looking up to him, but. He comes down with me, trains with us, trains with the fighters, gets on the mat, and you know is just willing to learn and and grow after being in the NFL for the last eight nine years. And so there's
0: no joke in Texas either; they take it so seriously. You have to oh be yeah perfect
1: yeah yeah that's for sure. So so you know he's really doing a good job. So I'm proud of him. He he stepped out of his realm. He's pushed himself, and everyone's going to see the big difference in next season.
0: Uh, James, really quick, I, we had a suggestion uh, w- with the whole Kimbo Slice thing. It's been ten years since your season of Ultimate Fighter and, and Kimbo passing his anniversary. One more memory that you have about Kimbo Slice that we may not ever forget uh, with, with your experience with them to end the show. Um, favorite? Well, episode?
1: just some of the stories he would tell us about being security on the porn in the porn industry. <laughs> <laughs> his manager was one of the managers for I think it was like Vivid Films or something um, it was like a big porn production and uh, Kimbo, that he that guy was Kimbo's best friend or they were manager and they were very good friends and um, yeah Kimbo would tell us some stories about some of the porn parties and some of the <laughs> porn productions and the people that he was hanging with and so forth, just some funny stories, a little bit too blue too Talk yeah. about on here, but there were some funny <laughs> stories. There. But just, he had such a split personality from being like a family man, a bare knuckle boxer, an MMA fighter, and then now suddenly he's working security at porn, you know, for the <laughs> porn uh, industry. He was just, he was just a very uh, colorful character. And you know what? He, but uh, he just had a way of telling a story, no matter what the story may have been about, with his persona and the way he spoke, so softly spoken, he'd always make it seem funny, and he'd always come across as if it was like very light-hearted, even though it was quite serious, you know, like if i mentioned that now, people think, oh, that's ter- that's dirty, that's perverted, but he was doing this, and he was working, but it wasn't like that, he wasn't talking about like sleeping with a load of porn stars, it was just like some silly things that would go on, you know, on set, or stage, or whatever, you know, and it was just, it was always just the way he would say it and the way he would develop, you know he would deliver it was just also very funny. i think I guess because he had such a rough demeanor hear someone speak so softly and so gently and then also um a little bit poetically if you like, he would almost deliver it like very easily the joke, and it was very it was easy to listen to, yeah, so you know he just I would always leave a conversation with a smile on my face, like walking away, shaking my head like, oh, I can't believe you said that. Do you know what I mean? But he just had that way about it. He was just a funny guy. He was a funny guy.
0: Now, w- w- was it true? Were you there with the whole, you know, Brandon w- w- was talking about, Sh- Shaw was talking about a situation that occurred where Kimbo didn't realize that Shaw was it African American. Were were you in the room for that whole
1: situation? No, not for the whole situation. I come in at the end of it and then at the end of it like Brendan me and Brendan shared a room. We had bunk beds. Yeah. Um and um and then he was telling me that night about it. So I remember him describing well, what, it to me. Can you
0: can you share the story? Um
1: I, I don't know. I think there was just I think they were talking about something and then Kimbo referenced to him about him being one of the brothers or something like that. And he was like and Brendan was like, "What do you mean one of the? What do you mean I'm a brother?" And he was like, "You know, you, you know." And he just kind of made out as if he was African American or you know a black guy. And and Shah was like, "Bro, I'm not black." <laughs> I'm He's like, "Bro, I'm not black." Like, you you, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't even understand
0: like why he thought of that. Like that is, so, that is still so crazy to me. Yeah. Where where where. Kimbo man, I, and I've had the chance to you know speak with H- Houston and and speak with Kimbo's son just uh n- nothing but good things about Kimbo and uh James I just want to thank you for uh sh- sharing these memories and sharing all of uh all all all, all of the uh, history that you've gone through on these episodes and I think it's a big reason why Megaphone has brought us on to sponsor Gloves Off and I, I'm really excited for uh, the rest of 2020 being signed with Megaphone. So uh, guys, thank you so much for tuning in here to Gloves Off with uh, Evil Eddie and James McSweeney. James, w- w- what is this next uh, eight week course look like for you uh, before we sign off here? Uh, if you could wrap it up really quick.
1: Um, yeah, well, I just started my training camp. Well, I already started training seriously um weeks ago, because I knew this was all coming, so I've already, I'm have already, i already pretty much ahead of schedule. Um, my next eight, nine weeks is just pretty much, yeah, training camp. I'm doing my, most of my training camp here in Dallas. Um, I'm probably going to go out to Denver and work with uh, Alistair a little bit out there as well, because we're fighting the same day. I'm flying over my coaches from Holland uh, to my gym uh, in March, and then we'll finish off my camp here before we head out to... Um, I don't know even how to pronounce the, the country, Azerbaijan or something. Um, I don't mean that disrespectfully, I just can't pronounce it. Um, it's on the border of Turkey, Iran, Is it the video Syria. Yeah, as, as, as a, Azerbaijan, I think it's called. I think it used to be like uh, one of the Commonwealths of uh, uh, Russia i could be wrong by saying that but i think it is um so then we head out there um a good week before the fight and of course then we're gonna fight one of the world's best um but yeah just for me is normal training camp um heavy training getting ready for the fight and and doing the best i can while running my business
0: and uh last last thing where's the dog right now uh what
1: you, I, had to, right I, I had to no, I had to I had to go and put him in his room because he was just <laughs> if I didn't put him in his room he would have been squeaking that toy for the next three hours so it would drive me crazy so um, I put him in his room to chill out a little bit
0: James that does it for the first episode of 2020 my cheeks hurt I gotta rest my cheeks you gotta rest up you've been busy guys that does it for this episode of Gloves Off I'm Evledi that's James God bless and behave yourselves
1: Oof, thank you guys